It is the Christmas season, and so pretty soon, underneath the tree in your home, there's going to be those gifts that are showing up. I mean, nicely wrapped, decorated in, the, in those beautiful bows and, and ribbons and, and the colorful wrapping paper. And what I'm wondering is if your family is a little bit like mine, and if you can kind of anticipate some of the gifts that you might be getting this Christmas. Now what I mean by that is, is you might not know exactly what that gift is, but are there those people in your family that you, can, you have some expectations of? The, the type of gift that they're going to give. So maybe there's, there's the jokester, right? You know, kind of the crazy uncle who is always looking to find the the quirky, odd, unique, hilarious, but incredibly impractical gift for Christmas. Or maybe there's that deal lover grandma addicted to HSN and QVC, and so you know those packages are going to show up at your doorstep kind of out of the blue, unexpected, but, but really you should expect them because she does that every single year. Or, or maybe it's the crafter, right? They always make the Christmas gifts, right? And they, and they personalize them. And really, I mean, it puts to shame all the Etsy stores and Martha Stewart herself, the kind of gifts that they give at Christmas time. The gift carter. And now maybe he's just playing it safe, but he, he's kind of smart too because he knows that you're going to use that gift card and you're going to enjoy using it, right? The last-minute deadline defier who shows up with the half-wrapped obscure toy that was the last thing left on the shelf for the convenience store purchase of December 24th. Or maybe there's the, the sentimenter. And the handwritten note that comes along with her gift has everyone in those happy tears by the end of your gift opening time around the tree. Or do you have some of those expectations of the gifts that you might receive this Christmas? And today I want to talk to you about a gift that's unexpected. An unexpected gift that comes from an unexpected giver. And the unexpected giver of this unexpected gift is your God. And that's what we're talking about throughout this worship series. If God is the one giving us a gift, what, what would be on our list for him to give us? What, what would we expect from our God? God's people in the Old Testament, they had some expectations for God. And so when we get to Isaiah chapter 64, what we read this morning as Isaiah writes that portion of his book, he speaks on behalf of the people, he speaks for them, and he shares these expectations, what was on the very top of their wish list for God. They felt that they knew how they wanted God to show up and to come. And so he says, oh, that you, God, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you 
as when fire sets twigs ablaze, causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. That was at the top of their wish list. That God would show up and make his presence known. That he would show up with such might, such power, such terror that the mountains themselves would tremble and quake and, and the peoples of all the nations, they too would quake and tremble in fear. You see, Isaiah, he lived and he worked and he rode at a dire time in Israel's history. They had narrowly avoided complete destruction by the Assyrians as they came and knocked on the doorstep of Jerusalem. And God had saved them. But now new enemies surrounded them and they knew that soon the reality for them was going to be destruction, defeat, captivity. But the problem that they didn't realize was that that was on them. It was because of their ungodly behavior. It was because they were the ones who hadn't really known the Lord. And so really, it was them, it was they who needed to turn back to God, to turn to Him in repentance. Really, it was, it was they, the people themselves, that needed and would have quaked and trembled if God were to come down in might and terror. And Isaiah knew that that was a reality that they needed to understand. And there's a reality that you and I need to understand as well. Isaiah makes that point as he describes the uniqueness of God. He speaks of that uniqueness of God when he says, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You see, the God of the Bible, he stands alone, completely unique. No other God is described like the God of the Bible. And so Isaiah can say that no one has seen any other, has heard of any other, has perceived of any other God, but God of the Bible. And so no matter who you are, as you're listening today, you're watching this, you're here with us today, I want you to, to wrestle with that claim of the Bible. You see, if you think that there's any kind of supernatural power out there in our world, there's any kind of divinity, whatever it may be, if you think there's any otherworldly power active and at work, well then you have to ask the question, what or who that is? And the Bible gives a clear, comprehensive, and I would argue accurate answer to that question. A God who stands alone, who is completely unique. 
because no other deity, no other divinity, no other spiritual force described in any other context acts and behaves the way the God of the Bible acts and behaves. And this divine, almighty, supernatural being, the God of the Bible, has some expectations for you and me. This God comes to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember his ways. Do you gladly do what is right? I think that is the most incriminating question ever. You know, the big guy who lives up in the North Pole, right? He's got his naughty or nice list, right? But he's only concerned with your outward behavior. Do you do what is right or do you do what is wrong? But our God, his concern goes much deeper than that. His concern goes to our hearts. Do you gladly and joyfully do what is right? You see, I don't think people have a hard time figuring out the difference between right and wrong. Now, I, I, sometimes there's maybe some situations where it's a little bit of a gray area. Maybe it's not quite clear. Maybe you need a little bit more information before you can make that dis decision and that distinction. But, but I don't think people have difficulty distinguishing between right and wrong. Like in most moral matters, the choice is clear. But even though it's clear, that doesn't make it easy, right? Even though it's clear what the right thing to do might be, that doesn't mean that, that it's easy to do that. In fact, it might be hard to do that because sometimes the right choice is going to put me at a disadvantage. Or to do what is right might hurt me. Or it won't give me the edge that I want. Often, the right choice to do what is right is going to cost me. It's going to take from me. It's, it's going to take my time, my money, my, my service, my resources. And so, do we choose what is right, joyfully, and gladly? And then as Isaiah describes, when he speaks to those who remember God's ways, that, that's not merely saying that we know what God's ways are. But he's talking about those who actively choose to walk in those paths. To walk in God's ways and, and to do that joyfully and gladly. And just forget the joyfully and gladly part for a moment. Do you, do you walk in God's ways? Or do you sometimes miss? How many times over the past week have, have you missed loving your family? Spending time with your kids? being kind to somebody in need, saying, saying a kind word that, that could lift somebody up who, who was down. 
And so Isaiah, he leads the people and he leads us to the only conclusion that we can draw because when we don't do what is right joyfully and gladly and when we miss following in God's ways, it angers God. Isaiah said, when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. And so we know we, we are all unclean. We have failed to call on the Lord. Our acts are like those filthy rags just destined for the fire. And so our expectation, if, if the God were truly to tear apart the heavens and come down with this consuming fire, where would we stand? How then can we be saved? But your God is incredibly unique. The God of the Bible is incredibly unique and he does the unexpected. He does the awesome, he does the amazing, and he gives an unexpected gift. A second chance. So much more than a second chance, but he gives us what we, this unexpected gift that we desperately need, even though we might not have expected it, but God gives it this amazing second chance for our lives. Unexpected it is that God would send his own son to this world. Unexpected it is that that son of God divine and almighty himself, that he would clothe himself in this tiny human infant. How unexpected that that invincible, immortal God, clothed in flesh and blood, that he would humble himself and he would die. Unexpected that that humbled man, now dead, laying in a tomb, that he would rise again and claim hold of life in victory. Unexpected that he would rise up into the heights of heaven, that he would sit at the very right hand of God, that he rules over all things for our good. Unexpected are the incredible gifts that are wrapped for us in word and in water, in bread and in wine. Unexpected it is that this God would remain our Father. That He would love us tenderly and with deepest compassion. And as our Father, that He would, he would call us into His own family to live as His people. That He helps you to mature as his own dear child. So unexpected is the joy that we can have at Christmas because God gives us that, that second chance for life that is at the very top of our wish list even if we don't know it's there. And sometimes we talk about this amazing and this unexpected gift that our God has given to us. 
Everything that he has done for us, for our, for our salvation. We talk about how he sent his son, clothed it as that human, that little tiny baby, how, how he grew, he matured, he lived this life for us. He went to the cross. He died for us. He rose again to eternal life. And our conclusion that we draw is that God did all of that so that I can get to heaven. Now, dear friends, the eternal joys of heaven are yours in Christ Jesus. Celebrate that. Celebrate that joyfully. But please, please don't sell God's saving work short. Because God hasn't just saved you for the future. He hasn't just saved you just for heaven. He has saved you for right now. This incredible second chance life that you can live right now. He's changed you to live differently. To gladly and joyfully do what is right to remember his ways and to walk in them. As our Father who, who loves us tenderly and, and compassionately, he is also the potter. And we are the clay. We are all the work of his hand. And so he forms us and he fashions us according to that amazing, unexpected grace that he has shown us. According to his tender, compassionate love, he, he forms and he shapes us in our lives to live as his own people. To live as his own children. So that you will not miss the opportunities for you to love your family to show joy, to, to show kindness, to lift others up. What joy, what comfort we have in this second chance life that God has given to us. Because our God is so unique. Because he is the unexpected giver who gives us this unexpected gift and he shapes us delicately and carefully to lay hold of that life. So I want, to, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you to strive to lay hold of your God this Christmas season. To strive to lay hold of that second chance life that God has given to you. And what would that look like? What would it look like if we pondered the very light of the world when we strung our Christmas lights. What would that look like if we remembered and we, we thought about the one who went without warmth, without shelter for us? When we wrap ourselves in the blanket and, and snuggle up on the couch with the hot cocoa and the popcorn to watch the Christmas movie. What would happen if we thought of that baby wrapped in those swaddling clothes as the greatest gift that's ever been wrapped for us? And what if, we, what if we thought a little bit less about the elves working in Santa's workshop and, and all the hard work that's going into making those toys and, 
And we thought more about God's servants. Those holy angels who do his bidding. Those servants of God who, who got to proclaim the message of the grace of God, this unexpected grace coming into the world, and they got to shout and proclaim his praises as God set the wheels of salvation into motion. And what if we thought more about those servants of God who are still active and at work right now to guard and protect us each and every day? And what if, what if we carved out the time in our lives to be present in worship, in study, in our Bibles, just as much as we carved out the time for shopping and baking and wrapping and decorating. What would happen if we took the extra time afforded by the holiday season to, to remind our children of the wonderful, unexpected God that they have, their amazing Heavenly Father? What would happen if we laid hold of our unexpected God and the unexpected gift that he's given to us? And maybe if we took hold of this second chance gift of life that our God has given to us, maybe, maybe it just might bring some incredible wonder and joy into our hearts. Amen. Amen.